tonight on Whiskey Waffle. We're getting our grumpy old man pants on, pulling them right up to our nipples. Not once, not twice, but thrice. You know what this doesn't have that Scottish whiskey has? Kilts. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. So is it my turn to go first, Ted? Yes, I think we established that. You go first. I'll go first then. Welcome along, fellow wafflers. Welcome along to episode 51 of the Whiskey Waffle Podcast. My name is Nick. My name is Ted. And we had a good time last time with episode 50, didn't we, Ted? Yeah, absolutely. It was so good. We had a big interview from Bill Lark. That was amazing. We talked about our history in whiskey. That was pretty fun too. And yeah, it was just all around a great episode. Yeah, no, for sure. There was a lot of work that went into preparing that, so I hope you guys at home liked it. But on to the future now. Yes, yes, let's do that. Um, So on this first of a new set of 50 episodes tonight, we are going to be looking back at the past and whinging that things aren't as good as they used to be. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's Um, right. We're getting our grumpy old man pants on, pulling them right up to our nipples (laughs) and getting ready to... uh, Grump. Yeah, episode 52, we'll start looking towards the future, but we're still looking backwards tonight. Uh, but one other thing that we need to look at is the fact that we have a new Patreon. Patreon! Exciting times. So we actually um, met a couple of great whiskey drinking blokes recently at a private tasting we ran. Yeah, it was a great afternoon. Artie and Christian, those guys were so enthusiastic. Um, it was really, really fun to hang out with them. They got us round because it was actually a Christmas present for them. So we <laughs> finally managed to find a date in, in August. So. Yeah, it, it, it's nearly next Christmas. I mean, yeah, that counts. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it worked out really nicely. So if you would like to book us to come and run a private tasting at your residence, get in touch. Yes, if you're on the other side of the world... Um, Please send your private jet, or alternatively, send a really big carrier pigeon and we'll strap ourselves to the legs. Yeah, nice one. But since then, Artie has jumped on board as an official waffler, so that means he needs a bit of inducting. We induct you as an official waffler to pontificate purposefully and verbalise verbosely. Artie Fidler. We're pretty sure it's Fidler. Like Richard Fidler from Conversations. If it's Fiedler and not Fiedler, uh, we apologise profusely. You can come around with a shotgun and uh, teach us some manners. Um, Speaking of some manners, I think it's time that we moved on to the next section, the waffle. Nah. Nah. Let's keep going in the intro. Yeah, we'll just do 50 minutes worth of intro. I mean, we usually do that sort of length and then you uh, complain bitterly about uh, having to cut it down. Yeah, so um, (laughs) let's, uh, let's avoid all that right now. Oh, look, we're already grumbling. <laughs> All right, enough. On to the next thing. Back on track, because we definitely know what we're, what we're doing. The Waffle. Back in my day, we could get a glass of whiskey for, for thruppence. Yo, dude. Yes. We've already done this skit. Have we? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, just about... I had to work 29 hours a day down mill and pay mill owner permission to come to work. Um, yes, no, we're not, not quite going to whinge and moan that much, but um, we've got a glass of Glendronic 12-year-old in our glass, one of one of my favourite sort of go-to mm. drams. You do love a bit of the Glendron. I do, I do. It's my favourite mainland Scottish distillery, actually. And yeah, the 12-year-old has always been one, one of the ones I've bought the most throughout time. 
Um, and I was just looking up because this bottle was getting a bit low. Can I get another bottle? So um, I looked it up and a lot of places were selling it for about 110 bucks a bottle. What? I'm like, that's that's not the price of a Glendronic 12-year-old, is it? It used to be used to be much less than that. It used to be at least, you know, 80-something, 90-something. Um, and true, you probably can still find it for that sort of price, but a lot of places were having it for $110. And it got me thinking, so many whiskeys have gone up in price since we've been fans. We've been drinking whiskey for, what, nearly 10 years now. God. And, um, yeah, I know. You know, our, our whiskey drinking career um, could come out in a Ben Riak main release. But, no, it's, um, it, it is kind of crazy how many whiskeys have gone up. Not to be, like, unaffordable, because we're going buying rare Tasmanian releases for 220 bucks, but they're more than they used to be. Um, any any notable standouts for you that you've noticed over time in terms of... Ex- well, I mean, we've got to go with the obvious. Mm. Like a like ball, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, back back when we first started drinking, like you could you could sometimes scrape it under a hundred. Mm. Um, usually, it was sort of more pushing that just over a hundred mark. This is the Lagavulin sixteen year old, yeah, I should mention. Yeah, no. I once saw it at a Woolworths BWS. This is a great in, story in Greensboro for seventy eight dollars. Yeah, and that... I didn't buy it because I was hungover and I was catching a plane that evening. Yeah, worst decision. I know. What was I thinking? What were uh, you thinking? I suppose no, you weren't I... thinking because your brain was no. Melted. What I was thinking actually at the time is no. Ted buys the Lagavulin, I buy the Lafroig. Yeah, <laughs> like this is true actually. Ah, <laughs> uh, back in those days. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I I remember back when we were sort of first getting into like slightly fancier things. Mm. Balvenie Doublewood. Yeah. That that was that was I remember a classic one and it was about like ninety something dollars. It was definitely under a hundred and we were like, Ooh, that's pretty expensive, but ooh wow, this is a great whiskey. Yeah. Um and before it disappeared, the uh the Glen Livet's twelve year old, um, you could get that for under fifty bucks on special. Yeah. <sighs> I actually I I once bought a bottle of Glen Fiddick eighteen year old for ninety eight bucks. That's yeah. That that was. I think I remember that. That was a good buy. Eighteen year old. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Good. Good luck finding that sort of sort of deal these days. Mm. And even the humble monkey shoulder. Mm. That used to be a, a, a nailed on forty five dollar bottle. Um. At least sixty five now. Yeah. Um, is well, what you'll pay see, for that. we we used to talk all the time. Like one of our regular recommends was Arbeg Ten. Mm. Like one of the best whiskies you can get for under a hundred bucks. Mm. Not well, anymore. That sounds like a good challenge to uh, think about, Ted. Sounds like a good challenge. So I've actually pulled up Dan Murphy's here. Uncle Dan's, our, <clears throat> one of our, I guess, most famous Australian bottle shops to uh, uh, purchase, well, all sorts of drinks from. But um, I've, I've certainly spent a few dollars of whiskey-related items over the years. Yeah, I think I think Dan's is our uh, lowest common denominator here, the most sort of sort of widely accessible yeah, around yeah. the nation. And we'll, um, we'll certainly have a chat about some other options afterwards, but Dan's is the most famous, so that's where we're going to begin. So I've actually put a little filter on Dan's, all whiskey, um, between 50 and $100. 50 because, and 100 okay. Yeah, so I've, kind of let, I've kind of ignored the stuff that's under 50 because yeah. usually it's just miniatures. And, um, yeah. So, you would um, know about miniatures. <laughs> actually, actually, do you want to, so, so, uh, do you want to hear my best story about inflation? Right, give it to me. All right, well, let me drop um, my hang pants. On, hang, on, <laughs> hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, you you know what this one is anyway. Um, the good old Yamazaki 12-year-old. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. See, I bought... Now, this is... Back in the day, I bought my first <laughs> bottle of Yamazaki 12 for about 80-something dollars. 80 dollars... 
you get get the yeah, you're getting that right. Eighty to ninety dollars. Yeah. The next bottle of Yamazaki twelve year old I bought, not too many years later, mm. two hundred dollars. Two hundred. Oh, how much did your third one cost, Ted? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of selling that second one so I can afford to buy something uh, decent that's uh, not just a um, not just a in- inflation uh, inflation porn. So uh, we'll keep watching. Well, no, Ted. let's let's not talk about that. <laughs> Um, all right then, so um, we're going to have a quick look through Dan's. Ted and I are going to formulate a bit of a maybe top four or five whiskies under $100 that you can get on Dan's and see if any of them are any good. So since we're starting to look through some whiskies at under $100, I want to clarify $100 Australian, Teddy Boy. So $100 Australian for our American cousins is actually about 66 bucks US. Um, and that's very similar to euros, 67 euros. So it's about the mm. same sort of thing. Um, Great British pounds sterling is about 58. Um, so that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying under 100. But it's not as simple as that. Yeah. Prices for alcohol in Australia are different to the rest of the world. We've got higher tax. Um, there's some legislative things that have mean that just our alcohol industry in general is more expensive. Yeah, so price com- of living in Australia is a little yeah. bit more as well. So just things cost more in Australia compared compared to what you might buy a bottle for in America, Europe. Uh, we are way more expensive. Yeah. So maybe just pick fifty of your current currency and say a bottle under fifty. That's basically what we mean by under hundred in Australia. So I'm looking at the first um the first few on Dan's here, Ted. And I've got uh, Jack Daniels, I've got Shivers Regal 12, um, some Jim Beam Extra Aged. Like, this is a good start, right? It is. Uh, I mean, is all it? of these whiskies are bloody good for their price, and all of them are like, you know, over 50 Australian. Um, Canadian Club, Ted. Bloody hell, we can get some Canadian Club. How is much? Is that what you want? Um, 61 $61 for a Canadian Club. It is one litre, if that makes right, sense. Right. See, I was <laughs> going to say, 61 bucks for a Canadian club does not fill me with exact joy, but... No. Um, a litre? Hmm. Still doesn't fill you with joy? No. No. <laughs> um, there's, there is some Buffalo Trace for 61 as well. Okay. We, we've not minded Buffalo Trace. No. Um, here's our monkey shoulder coming in at, yeah, 64. Like, it has gone up, hasn't it? Yeah, 64 bucks for monkey shoulder. Mm-hmm. It does feel a little bit much. And now there are a lot of bourbons throwing up here, which is, you know, to be expected because I've, I've not put any filter on, like, what country. Um, Bullets, Long Branch, there's some more Beam. Um, there's some Grants if we're talking Scotch. Um, remember that poker night that we yeah, bought? Yeah, we Grants? we had that we had that beer casked. Mm. It was an it was an ale cask Grants. Yeah, and we thought it was so like amazingly exotic and posh. <laughs> I know because it was beer casked. A while ago, like, wasn't what it? is this? Yeah. Look, like looking back, early probably, days for whiskey waffle. Yeah, looking back, it probably actually wasn't really that good. Now yeah. uh, some Bushmills. So we've got a single malt. I mean, okay. it's Irish. Um, yeah. I don't mind a bit of Bushmills though, but. Yeah, the 10-year-old there. Don't mind a bit of bush. <laughs> I like the black bush, actually. Um, yeah, 70 yeah, bucks. Do. Yeah, I do. We've, um, we've reached our first Japanese whiskey. White Oak. Blended Japanese whiskey. Uh, yes, I, I remember sitting in the Lark Bar in Hobart and writing a slightly less than <laughs> impressed review about this. I remember, I remember talking about sulfur from volcanoes. Mm. Here we go, Ted. Glenfiddich 12-year-old. There is a really solid... Scottish classic whiskey for 77. 77 for Glenfid 12. Mm. Mm, that feels a little bit over. Just a little bit. There's some Tomantool 10 for about 70. 
I've stayed in Tom and Tool. Have you? Yeah. Um, there's some Juritan. They've done away with the superstition and the prophecy and whatnot, whatever they used to come up with. It was quite good labelling. We never loved the whiskey, but... Hmm. Oh, Aberfeldy 12. That one's all right. Yeah. That's that's not too bad. How, how much how much were you looking at for that? 89. 89 for Aberfeldy 12. That mm. that feels okay. Feels about, about right. There's a few Irish whiskies that start creeping in. So the Teeling Single Grain... Which I, you did buy me for my birthday one year. Mm. Um, that's going for about eighty. Oh, dude, the Glenlivet twelve-year-old, <laughs> eighty-three dollars. Right. Okay. So Glen to Glenlivet twelve, eighty-three dollars. That is significantly more expensive than we used to be able to get it. Well, it's nearly double. It's nearly double, but the the Glenlivet landscape has changed. Yeah, quite a lot. that's that's so weird, though, isn't it? That, like we used to, yeah, get it for. Mm, on special, what was it about fifty bucks? You could get it. Yeah, under fifty on special. Under fifty on special for Glenlivet yeah. Twelve. That's that's, that's strange, wild. But yeah, but they've got green on the label now, Dad. So it's completely different. Oh well, now you put it like that. I mean, yeah. Why, Show we, me the money. Why, yeah. why are we paying uh, under a hundred for it? Exactly. Um, some Kaju Twelve. So okay. Kaju is one of those Johnny Walker workhouses that um mm. Mm, workhouses. Possibly, <laughs> that's possibly how it works in Johnny Walker. I meant yeah. to say workhorse. But I can just imagine yeah, a bunch of like um, six-year-olds bottling Johnny Walker, putting the labels on at the exact right angle. Um, but yes, um, yeah, there's quite a few Irish just sneaking through. Some hide, more tealing. Ooh, dude, a rare Neds. A rare Neds. Yep, ingenuity. Ingenuity? Maybe. Um, well, see, the only rare, rare Neds that we've had was... I like Christmas one. Bloody awful. Yes, we're saving that for a future pod, but um, it was free, so... Um, yeah, no, interestingly, but it is... This rare Neds is 90 bucks. Um, some Glen Goyne 12-year-old, which I've never loved. I've never loved the Glen Goyne 12. Glen Groin. Glen Groin, yeah. Um, no, I've never loved that, but it's, like, re- respectable. Um, oh, Edredow 10. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, mm. So the, the cynical Scott had a bottle of the Edge Hour Ten Didn't and it. liked it. Yeah. Oh, more Jap- Japanese cheetah for ninety nine ninety nine. That that would go pretty fast. <laughs> Interestingly, there is some Tasmanian stuff I found now. It's two hundred mil bottles of Lark. Ah, <laughs> uh, brilliant. Yep. Um, Bang for buck. Yeah, that's what we like. Now we're starting to push it, but I found some more Jura for twelve. 12-year-old? Jura, we've had a complex relationship with mm. over the years. It's uh, it's never one that we've been quite sure about. Um, I think it's time to go have a bit of a look again. Well, now they've rebranded and, mm. and changed their sort of things. And if you're a member of Dan Murphy's, you can get Lafroy 10 for under 100, which is, I feel is important. The Lafroy 10 should be under 100. Yeah, not bad. And also the Annex 12 should be under 100. Only if you're a member. It's 103 if you're not. Mm. And that's where the Dan's list stops. Interesting. It is interesting. Um, I'm sure there's plenty more in different stores that you can access, but there's not the same. I don't feel it's the same range. Yeah, look, compared to what we used to be able to get, mm. so like we we back used to in say, the day, back in our day, we we used to say like, I beg ten year old, one of the best whiskies you can get for under a hundred bucks. Well, technically, yeah, you should still be able to get that a hundred bucks somewhere, but yeah, apparently not on Downs. Ba- ba- Balvenie Double Woods. There's yep. another one that we yeah. yeah. It's, that, it is a bit different. There are, what I'm noticing, there's a few new ones creeping into that category, but a few favorites creeping out again. Mm, but mm. that's just Dan's. If we went through every whiskey website online that you could 
find on the internet in Australia, then I'm sure there would be plenty more. Uh, Nick's could come to our rescue. Yeah, Nick's, Old Barrel House, The Whiskey List. Yeah, and The Whiskey Company I quite like as well. Yep. So we encourage that you look further than just Uncle Dan's. Yeah, un- Uncle Dan's is your sort of big corporate. Go go to your small guys. That that Those are the guys who actually really genuinely properly care about the whiskey and will find good things and sometimes have them for under 100 bucks. And here's a question, Ted. Let's take our Lagavulin as an example. The good old Lagavulin. The good old Lagavulin 16-year-old. That was going for about 90 bucks when we first used to buy it. 95. Oh, that's ridiculous. 90 bucks. But is it worth more than that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, like, what do you think should be the price for Lagavulin? Oh... 90 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If the Lagavulin 16 was 120 forever, I would be like, yep. I can just see it becoming 160 in the next two years. Yeah. I, yeah, make me sad. And, and the thing is, they're getting replaced. But, like, so Arbeg, you've got the five-year-old. Yeah, the Lagavulin, wee beastie. You've got the eight-year-old. The large beastie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does change. And, but, yeah, they're not. they're not just not quite as good as their higher aged original sort of bottlings so mm. ah do I feel a bit jibbed by um them releasing sort of selling yeah the like of all and like the Arbeg 10 for what 100 and oh, it's, it's, it still should be about 90 odd mm. but not on dance apparently but mm. I don't know yeah I think sometimes they've gone up because they've actually found what they're worth other times they've gone up like Glenlivet because they've messed up their aged whiskey allocation they've had mm. to do things like founders reserve Ugh. and other times that yeah I know Ted's breaking out in cold sweats there <laughs> and other times they've just gone up because that's what the market is doing and like you can't it's hard to argue with like if everyone else is putting their prices up it's hard to argue with someone for putting their price up as well mm. but yeah, look, us the consumer we're the ones that suffer yeah I think you're right that some of these whiskies that we have previously had for what we we consider a really good price they probably are actually selling it about the right price now, mm. but we're just sad. We're yeah, we're just yeah, cracking the sads because <laughs> they used to be like phenomenally good value, yeah. and now they're just actually normally good value. Yeah, and I mean what I say when there's a few new guys on the block starting to come in at that under a hundred dollar mark. And um, spoiler alert, I did have a quick check through next. The amount of bottles they have for ninety nine ninety nine. So that people like me that put the 50 to 100 filter on can get these bottles in there. There is a lot that people sneak in at that price. So, yeah, I don't think all is all is lost, but that doesn't mean we can't complain about it. Uh, it's been a fun discussion anyway, Ted. And, um, yeah, we've very much witnessed the changing of the guard in terms of what whiskey is worth in Australia. And we're really not people to whinge about it because we do buy expensive two-year-old whiskey from <laughs> well random Victorian I, distilleries that just started. Up. Yeah, I would I would say like Tibbs are my under a hundred whiskeys for Tasmanian whiskey. Like they yeah. come out at hundred and fifty, <laughs> but I don't actually think about the cost when I'm buying them. It's just like I say to Tim, like yep. our brain just rationalizes hundred and fifty yep. down to. Yeah, <laughs> just just send me the next one. Yeah, well, that is a rare case, but yeah, we do take our chances on a few first releases mm. for two hundred bucks, and sometimes they're amazing, and sometimes we get burned. Yeah, but isn't that whiskey buying in a nutshell? It is. I think you can can actually find the classic ones, but they're just getting more expensive. 
What do you think, fellow wafflers? Is there a favourite of yours that is now out of your price range? What has gone up the most? Well, th- this is a good point. Like, we used to have some classic ones that we really loved for under 100 bucks, and they- they've now gone above that category. So what is your new favourite classic jam for under 100 bucks? Give us some recommendations, because we'll uh, get our wallets out and uh, grab one in. Speaking of big dates... Mm. Um, I like big dates, yeah, and I cannot lie. <laughs> you uh, gone on many big dates recently, Ted? Uh, no. No, no, no. The whiskey. Cheap, cheap. It's, it's not that cheap, is it? No, actually, it's not. <laughs> uh, hey, we are going to talk about some whiskey here. Excellent. Some bird-related whiskey. Ah, oh, you found it on Twitter. Mm. Um, yes, we are reviewing this week or this month, even, this time period of unknown <laughs> length and duration. It's it's an Irish whiskey. Oh, yes. Yes, and it is Carrier Pigeon. <laughs> the Irish Carrier Pigeon yeah, yeah. single malt. In fact, I don't think any of those things are true, are they? Apart from the word Irish. Yeah. No, it's it's Redbreast. Ah, Redbreast, hence the bird. There is a picture of a bird. Is it a Robin Redbreast? Is it that is. the bird? It there is. There you go. Yeah, nice. So we're reviewing one of Ireland's most famous... And most well-loved, I think, 12-year-old whiskies. Mm. Is it because it's got breast in it? Is that why? Yeah, they, uh... that's why it gets ahead in life. It's like Fanny's Bay does so well, just because uh, people want to see it and snigger and then uh, take a photo of it. Um, yeah, no, I don't think that's it at all. I think the Irish are far classier than us Australians, and uh, I think they just, I think this one's gone really well simply because it's a good whiskey. But that might be spoilers. We need to smell and taste and chew upon this whiskey before we can come to any conclusions. Yes. Now, this is a Middleton release. Now, Nicholas, tell us about the... Give us a short history recap of the Irish whiskey industry. Um, So, in short, 1800s, Irish whiskey does really well. The very end of the century, lots of things go wrong. I mean, lots of things. Um, And it goes into decline so much and so that it ends up with just about three distilleries left. And yet, it has way more than three brands. How can this be? Ah, I'm glad you asked. Um, and that is because the same three distilleries churn out all the product for all these different brands. Except Bushmills. They just do Bushmills. Northern Ireland. It's different up there. Mm. Um, but Middleton are down south, and they do all these famous brands such as Jameson's and Greenspot. Just, you know, stacks and stacks. Mm. Um, and they also do Redbreast, this one here. Now, another thing that we need to point out is the fact this is a single pot still whiskey. It is which is another very famous Irish thing. Yes. Now, that means that they use a combination of malted and unmalted barley to make it, which, yeah, changes up the the flavor a bit. Mm, No, absolutely. Um, So they originally did this as a bit of a tax dodge because there was a malt tax. So if they used just enough of unmalted barley, then they didn't have to pay the tax. Um, Screw you, English government governing our country. Um, So... Yeah, it's um, it became commonplace. And another commonplace thing, of course, is the number of times they distill. Not once, not twice, but, but thrice. thrice. Oh, I have an important stat. Mm. You do like your stats? Well, give it to me, stat. All right. The robin, redbreast. <laughs> it's a bird stat. Is the only bird which sings continuously throughout the dark Irish winters and is one of the very few small birds that choose to winter in Ireland, <laughs> it's because Ireland in winters is just a scum hole, obviously. <laughs> yeah, apparently for most birds. <laughs> yeah. Or just the robin's really lazy and doesn't want to fly south. 
It is this enduring spirit which inspires its namesake, Redbreast Whiskey. So is this a bit like Green Spot, where you get the um, yellow spot and the red spot? Can you also get, like, Green Breast and Yellow Breast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this this is the... Uh, um, the other important bit about this whiskey, though, is the casking. Ah, yes. Tell me about the casking, Teddy Boy. It's made out of robin casks. <laughs> they take, uh, they take... Now. I thought I had some feathers in my teeth. Yeah. No, the uh, Irish hunters go around in winter and capture all the <laughs> robins who are stupid enough to stay. <laughs> it makes it easier in winter because they're the only ones there, so yep. you can like... There's no leaves on the trees. You just... <laughs> yeah. You hear, them down. cheap, cheap, and you're like, yep, there's one. Get it, boys. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's sherry casks. Sherry casks. It's exclusively or finished in. Been matured in sherry casks. I don't think it actually says... That's certainly the story they're peddling. Yeah, no, interesting stuff. But no, it's um, it's a famous one. It's one that we've always liked when we've tried it before, but we haven't had it for a little while, so I'm keen to give it a slurp. What do you got on the nose, Tedrick? Mm. Light and fluffy and feathery. <laughs> it's interesting because, I mean, obviously I know that this is Irish, but there's just distinct Irish characteristics that you don't get in Scottish. You certainly don't get mm. in Tasmanian. Yeah, and it's 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 a hard one to explain what I'm looking for, but it's a certain type of vanilla. Yeah, it's partly that um, a malted component in there. Mm. I think it just... Yeah, because it in, does something to it. Indeed, in Ireland they call it a a single pot still. In other countries they have to call it single grain, mm. which doesn't sound nearly as romantic or alluring. Um, yeah, nose. You're right. There's vanilla there. There's there's also a bit of oh, what is that? Like custard or something? It's a bit um. There's there's more than that going on though. I'm gonna go as far as um, trifle. Or eat mess or something like that. A dessert yeah. with lots of layers in it. Because there's some fruit too. Mm. Definitely some sort of berries. But bit of not, I think there's a bit of peach there as well. A bit well. of peach. Mm. It's almost some glacé cherry sort of. I know that you don't smell glacé cherries, but it's just... Speak for yourself. Is <laughs> that, um, that weird guy sniffing Yeah, Here, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to sit in the corner and sniff my glacé cherries. <laughs> Well, that was awkward. Let's let's move on from that. Um, I do think on the end there's a slight little bit of alcoholic kick harshness. Actually, another another stat mm. stat coming right Ooh, at you. Percentage. This bottle is seven hundred mils. Oh, no. That's not the stat I want. No, uh, 40 percent. Just a, a mere forty. A mere forty. No, well, that alcoholic burn you mentioned, like maybe a bit medicinal for me, a bit sort of cherry medicine sort of thing. It's only a faint whiff at the back. Ooh, ooh. Here's, here's, a, here's an interesting bit of text. Mm. Unique amongst whiskies. Redbreast 12 is a single pot still Irish whiskey comprising exclusively of pot still whiskies. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, which have been triple distilled and matured in oak casks for not less than 12 years. Mm. Is that unique? <laughs> it's, it's slightly unique, Ted. No! No! <laughs> Don't do it. Mm. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's have a slurp. Hmm. Oh no, I overslurped. <laughs> Always a danger. I've got I've got a red breast now. <laughs> it's slopped everywhere. <laughs> There's quite a bit of body for a forty percent mm. whiskey. It doesn't it doesn't let you down in terms of depth. I don't think it actually hurts it. Some sometimes you get a forty percent whiskey and it's like oh, that's just a bit flat. There's mm. not quite enough going on there. But this, I think it's probably the sherry casking. It's mm. 
Certainly got a nice creaminess to it. Yeah, um, well, it's back to that custard you mentioned before. Mm. Um, but yeah, some sort of uh, fruit swirled through it, whether they be glacé cherries, peaches, or other. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like it on the palate, actually. It's got a nice soft softness to it, but it's it's got a squishiness as well. Mm, yeah. No, for sure. I, I can't get over custard now. It's just totally custard. Nor can the uh, custard might have glut. <laughs> Brilliant Danger Mouse reference there. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. Yeah, well, the good thing the custard might is not around because <laughs> our whiskey would be gone from Aglane Can before we could say, look out, Penfold. Crumbs, chief. Crumbs, chief. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, um, that drink's all right. It does. Uh, yeah. It's I a s- bit, yeah, sour fruit. Mm. Mm. There's a little bit of um. It's not really lemon. It's more mm, mandarin, red currant. That's my. That's not a citrus, but no. I take your point. Yeah. Oh, I'm just getting something back on the nose again now. Is it? I'm wanting to say, and and you're going to look at me funny here. Oh, here we go. But I'm wanting to say celery leaves. I am looking at you funny. Yes. Celery, celery, <laughs> celery, celery, celery leaf. Yes. Yes, I can say leaf. That's fine. Um, <laughs> celery, on the other hand, is yeah, a, yeah, that's a much b- more. beyond your powers. Yeah, definitely. Um, please tell me about celery leaf. Well, it's the leaf leaves that you get on celery. But you don't normally eat the leaves, do you? Um, I use them when I make spag bowl. Okay. Yeah. They they have quite an intense celery flavour. Oh. Hot tip for yeah. the listeners out there. Yeah, yeah. When, for when for make- bolognese banter. Yeah. <laughs> we start that up. When, when making your base for your bolognese, <laughs> use celery leaves. Yeah, I know. There's just all a- red breast twelve year old, like you know, well, interchangeable. Maybe a, maybe a hint of aniseed in there as well. What do you think about the finish? Damson, but okay. it's slightly um. It's quite lively, so damson in distress. <laughs> yeah, good one. Um, no, yeah. I don't know, some sort of plum. Of the sour variety? Well, I've already mentioned sour, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. There's um, not a citrus, though. I think, I think the the finish is all right, actually. It's it's medium length. It's got a little bit of sharpness there, but it's still it's still relatively soft. Yeah. I think this is just an enjoyable drinking whiskey. Mm. It's complicated enough, but it's just not... Um, yeah, it's just pleasant in every way, without being sort of exceptional in in one particular way. Much like the Robin. Yeah, well, this is it. But it, it, I, I can see it. You know, you take a whiskey that you or I think of being like an exceptional whiskey, and give it to fifty people, um, preferably all overage and ID checked, and um, you know, not recovering alcoholics. Um, and then you know, there's probably going to be five or ten of them that just don't like it at all. Whereas you take this to the same fifty people, and you know, you're probably going to please forty nine of them. Mm. Is it, yeah, is it the most crowd-pleasing Irish whiskey on the market? It'd, it'd be a fairly good crack. Mm. Ah, the crack. Irish jokes. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Mm. I like it a lot, actually. Yeah. I don't think it's up into the four-star territory. Yeah, that's it. We don't like it enough to give it four stars, but um, we still like it. And that's what counts, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a very solid three star whiskey. Yeah, we don't we don't really care about scores. We just care about something that we like to drink, and this is it. Can recommend drinking Red Breast. Well, there you go, Red Breast Twelve. Um, pretty good. Um, the patrons have already actually had some of this sent out to them for this episode. So yeah, we're organised for once. 
hopefully they haven't actually drunk it before <laughs> the episode comes out. Yes. Um, but if you have, I don't blame you because it's very easy to drink. Or maybe the custard might have glut has been by. <laughs> well, if you, if you liked it and you want to still drink along to the episode, go buy yourself a bottle. Mm, you won't regret it. Gosh, I wish we were sponsored by Red Breast now. Yes. No, I did. I did look that up. It's an eighth of a butt. <laughs> or a quarter of a cheek. <laughs> <laughs> whiskey. Would you rather? All right, Ted, I have a whiskey would you rather Ooh. for you. Ooh. Mm. Ooh, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. No, this is an interesting one. Um, and it's one of those hypothetical situations that could never come true in actual real life. But, you know, that's okay. We love having some fun with hypothetical situations. Okay. Um, so this is the question for you. Would you rather only ever drink whiskey produced in the United States of America for the rest of your life? Or okay. only ever drink whiskeys produced in Japan for the rest of your life? Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I've stayed away from some of our go-to mm. countries, like obviously Australia, Scotland. Um, I did think about a few other ones to throw in there, but I thought this would be an interesting, thought-provoking little question, and um, I love stringing it out now to give our listeners a bit of time to consider. Right now, everyone's sort of bringing to mind what whiskies that they can um, purchase from both of these countries. Obviously, we're not just talking bourbon from America, are we, Ted? No, no. And see, that's 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 what's currently sort of the cogs are whirling. And mm. um, um, price points. Mm. Yeah, they they are exactly what they are currently, and will then change to be in the future. Yeah, right. Yeah, see that that certainly weighs up on the uh, whole debate. Although here at Australia, American whiskies aren't exactly cheap for the. Except the cheap ones. Except for the cheap <laughs> ones, but some of the, some of the good ones are still yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Fairly um, pricey. But I mean, this is this is for the rest of your life, Ted. Who knows what's going to happen with price points? I imagine Japanese whiskies will become more affordable. They're starting to be um, some hakushu come back in those distillers editions. I've seen floating around in stores yeah. again. Look, I really like Japanese whiskey. I've been to Japan. I've been to Yamazaki. That was really cool. I like Japanese whiskey. In general, I still mind the fact that I bought that bottle of Yoichi 15 year old for like not much over 100 bucks and never see the likes of it again. No, but uh, as to drinking it for the rest of my life, I'm just not sure. I feel like there's a, a slight uh, is 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 Japanese whiskey the bourbon of Japan? <laughs> Um, uh, a, a similarity. Well, I don't yeah. know. There's a few more starting to come yeah. online as well, but none that have captured my attention the same way that the Yamazaki, the um, Nickers or Nicker yeah. by the Barrel. They're all bloody expensive too. That's, that's I mean, and who, by the barrel. who knows? Who knows what could happen in the future? But uh, I'm almost thinking that I'm probably going to put my lot in with the Americas. Mm. I feel like there's just more diversity there. Yeah. America is a big place and there's yeah. a lot of different stuff happening. It's not just bourbons anymore. I don't mean, if if I go with America, I can still have the occasional bourbon too. Mm. But I can also have things that are sort of rest of the world whiskey-like mm-hmm. from other areas. Like, oh, we've, we've had some westward lands 
whichever yep. one it is. <laughs> um, that's been... West Ward that we've yeah. been enjoying. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. I think there's just a lot of different things happening. I could get some of that um, crab whiskey. Hmm. <laughs> which is actually, yes, I think I've discovered Maine... more, more of a liqueur, really. Right, yes. Yeah. For me, it's an interesting one. If I was asked to pick one whiskey to drink for the rest of my life, and it was either a Japanese one or an American one, I'd definitely go to Japan mm. because of the quality. If Even if it was like two or three, I'd probably still pick Japan. Yeah, as a category. I, I think I'm the same. As a category, though. Mm. But if it's the whole country for the rest mm. of my life, it's that variation. Mm. You talk about us being whiskey omnivores. We mm. like trying a bit of everything. Um, and yeah... There is such a variation from the bourbons that you mentioned through to some of the single malts being created on the West Coast, through to some of the single malts being created in Texas. There's a lot of, not so much peated stuff, but like smoked stuff. They call it peated Mm. different things coming out, but just, yeah, different wood-fired things. So there are some different flavors. I actually think that United States is going to be the next great single malt craft scene, if if it isn't already. yeah. But forget about that bloody Californian stuff. <laughs> yeah, every every bottle aged for a minimum of five minutes. Yeah. Um, see, it's an interesting point you raise there. I feel like this is actually a slight worry mm. too. Um, we talked about this um, not on not on air or amongst ourselves recently, and that America, Amer- American barreling laws at the moment mean that there's a surplus of. Uh, Barrels going to the rest of the world. We yeah. we see a lot of barrel bourbon casks, ex bourbon casks going to the- But with non bourbon American whiskey mm. picking up as a category within its own domestic market, I just have this slight fear that all those ex bourbon barrels are then going to just be flowing to the states, which they'll get for very cheap because it's mm. they can just drive down to yeah that's it go and pick them up go um, pick them up Whereas don't worry about customs and they'll become harder to access for the rest of the world and then sort of how does that reshape what well we're already lacking in sherry barrels we're already like. lacking in sherry barrels imagine what would happen if we started lacking in uh bourbon barrels the, the, too. Scot- the scottish should have to you know build some cooperages yeah i know and <laughs> um, what what are they what do they season them with like mm. is it is it like haggis or no mm. iron brew yeah yeah, maybe. Um, Forget hokey cokey. Let's get some. Uh... Yeah, I mean Australia. I feel would probably be okay because we'll just diversify into lo- local wine or fortified wines, mm. um, and that that would certainly define what we do. I mean, we don't do that much bourbon cast stuff anyway. Certainly like, not successfully. Yeah. Certainly not successfully, and certainly unless not, your name is Hobart Distillery. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not like a a predominant factor within our industry but for other like scotland that imagine that if mm. if the scottish couldn't access change things completely i mean think think of something like glenmorangie mm. really light spirit that needs bourbon casking to really sort of sing properly yeah they'd have to do virgin oak yeah and then they can use their ex whiskey casks <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe Scotland would have to pass laws saying that they there has to be a like a a certain component of their uh, their whiskey made using virgin oak. Mm, yeah, just to season some barrels. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get enough that way. But yeah, no, the second fill is the new first fill. Yeah, interesting. Well, that that chat took a took a deeper turn than <laughs> for sure. Expected. For sure. 
But um, yeah, it's an interesting one that both you and I have plumped for America in this. And I think, give it five years ago, we definitely wouldn't have. No, no, no. I think I think the scene over there is definitely showing ma- signs of major revolution. Mm. Um, bourbon will still continue to be bourbon, and so it should too. Yeah. Like there is there is definitely a place in the world for bourbon, but yeah, outside- T Trout thinks so. Yeah. And T-Child would destroy anyone who says otherwise. Exactly. So, um, but if, yeah, if you look outside the borders of Kentucky and Tennessee, I suppose as well, Tennessee mm-hmm. Sour Mash, similar thing, same, same, but different. Look east, look west, look pretty northwest. Yeah. Um, look south. South, yeah. yeah Texas has got a lot of stuff going on. Indeed. Yeah, no, interesting stuff. And um, yeah, I'm really curious as to what our listeners would do because some of them might not have tried too many different American whiskeys and are absolutely dead set on Japan. And um, I think that is very justified as well. You can make an argument either way in this particular whiskey. Would you rather? Or you could uh, strike up a solo career and uh, do it. Um, oh, now I've forgotten his name. Um, uh, I can't help you because I have no idea what you're doing. No, one, I was riffing off One Direction. Harry Styles. Yeah. Or you could you could go uh, strike up a solo career and do a Harry Styles and go off the other direction. Fresh meat! Fresh meat! Uh, Nick, 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 Nick. Mm. I would like to announce to you Ooh, that yes. I am a blood traitor. A blood traitor? Yes. I thought you were going to say you're a blood donor. I am that too. Oh, Actually, yes. just... just uh, fun fact, recently mm. I got a certificate and a pin and a bar of chocolate because I completed 50 donations. 50? Yep. How many litres is that? Uh, well, I, I suppose because I want, I want you to translate into bottles of whiskey. Yeah, I know. Well, I do plasma, so um, that's it's actually a, a good chunk. Like, you get a good bag out of it. Mm. I, I'd say it's probably 50 bottles worth. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Uh, uh, probably no. not as nice as the one we're about to try. Well, you don't know that yet. No, I don't know that because I have no idea what it is. It's not yeah. a mystery whiskey. It's a not, fresh meat. It's a fresh. It's a fresh meat. But I, Ted hasn't confessed to me what it's gonna. What it yeah, is yet. well, I curiosity won out, but <laughs> and there is a dead cat lying somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I don't know how, how quite how I feel about this, but we're gonna do it. Okay. You've done this before in a place that you shouldn't have. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, that you know, talking about that time that I was drinking at work. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the the kids were joining in too, so it yeah. was fine. <laughs> I have here a bottle. Oh, English of Cotswolds Distillery whiskey. Mm. Cotswolds being in England, mm. and Ooh. so can can you recount for me the 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 full story of my comment on you did this in somewhere that you shouldn't have? I've only had an English whiskey once in my life. It was a chapter four or chapter three from the St George, whatever it was, mm. um, and the only place I saw it was in a bar in Edinburgh, a whiskey bar in Edinburgh, and I um I saw it there. I'd always known about it, but I'd never seen a place where I could actually try it. I was like, I've never tried this. I'm insanely curious. I really want to see what it's like. I'll get a dram of that. <laughs> Have you tried ordering a dram of English whiskey in a Scottish bar? <laughs> uh, do not recommend it. But I was reinstated as a hero when I told everyone it was crap. Yes. Well, I'm hoping this one will be better. Yeah, we have a whole bottle of it. So. I do have a whole bottle. It, look, it wasn't that expensive. That's partly why I got it. And it's a beautiful what, box. What, yeah, I was going to say, what do you think of the box? Yeah, no, lovely sort of gold polish. It, bit of gold it makes me think of an English gentleman's waistcoat. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got this sort of filigreed kind of golden black 
uh, box. So, okay. So yes, tell us about this whiskey. Cotswolds. Cotswolds, Cotswolds. Is, a, Cotswolds is a region of England. I think it's quite a, a pretty region of England, oh, it's actually. It's a very pretty region of it's England. A, so, um, the uh, Gloucestershire, the north of there, um, really pretty tiny towns, um, lots of um, sort of uh, cafes with cheese available. It's beautiful. Very nature-esque. Anyway, so yes, this is the first whiskey to come out of that region. So this is the Cotswolds' first release. This is, well, I don't know if this is Cotswolds' first release, but this is the first whiskey to come uh, out of the Cotswolds. First distillery from the Cotswolds, yeah. Um, from that sort of geographic region. Um, now, England does actually have a history of distilling. England's almost a bit Tasmanian in the uh, in its sort of whiskey history. Back, back sort of... 100 or so years ago, there was actually a bit of stuff going on. It, mm. it was never to the extent of Scotland, yeah. um, but there were some notable distilleries around the place. A lot of it was grain whiskey and a lot of it sort of was shipped off to Scotland to go into blends, but there were some uh, malt whiskies um, going on there too. Um, but uh, around sort of the turn of the uh, 20th century, that they sort of ceased production. And just like Tasmania, it's only been sort of in the last mm, 20 years that uh, they've restarted. Now that now there's quite a few actually yeah, around the place. Yeah, there are stacks these days, yeah. yeah. Not many of them make their way to Australia though, so... No, no This no. one has. This one has. So I'm going to pour a glass. Yep. Just for me. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll watch you drink it. You don't get any. Thanks. Um, Cheers, dude. Yeah. It's, then- uh, it's, quite, it's quite pale without being completely straw. Like, it's just a gentle gold. Pale like a fair English rose... No, okay, so this is their 2017 Odyssey Barley release. Mm. Um, so bottles in the batch was 6,200, so it's not that yeah, small. It's not, it's not that small, no. It's I'm not quite surprised some have made their way to Australia. In that way. Um, mm. Okay, let me let me tell you some things. So this is 46%, magic yep. number. Excellent. They say that it's aged in premium, premium ex-bourbon and reconditioned red wine casks. Yeah. So red wine in there before being blended, or we would probably say married, and bottled here at the distillery. So it's actually it's actually a marriage. Mm. All barrels are used for full-term maturation, not cask finishing. Mm. Mm. Yeah. We use our barrels only once. Interesting. First fill all the way. They also say, We respect our beautiful surroundings and are committed to protecting our environment. Our spent grains feed local cows. Our steelage is <laughs> yeah, none of those biogas. foreign cows. They don't get yeah. any of this. And solar energy helps power our distillery. They're one of those ones. So they've got a pair of traditional copper pot stills, uh, which were made handmade for them in Scotland. <laughs> uh, our whiskey is distilled using local malted barley grown for us on the farms across the Cotswolds. We support local agriculture and we value our close relationships with our farmers. And our barley is malted for us by hand in Britain's oldest floor maltings just south of us in Warminster. Interesting. So, yeah, oldest because it's probably uh, also doing it for beer. Yeah. So that that's that's probably enough about the whiskey. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that is fairly standard in except for the location being England, but um yeah, what does the different terroir do to create this whiskey? And mm. um while there are hints of space out on that nose, it's definitely not Scottish. Call me a traitor, mm. but I actually don't mind the nose. It's a combination of sort of light citrusy stuff, but sort of, well, yeah, like a lemon, lemony sort of thing, but then baked goods. I think you do get a lot of combination of that bourbon and wine in there. Like you've, you've sort of got a sort of a sweet, 
sweetness um, and a t- woodiness from the bourbon, and then a sort of a hot dryness from the uh, wine. Mm. I'm still on a lemon meringue pie. That's my um. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. All right, let's give it a try. Yeah. Here's the question: Is England the Tasmania of Scotland? Mm-hmm. Um, no, but it's also not a write-off either. That's, that's um, definitely not Scottish. It's definitely not Scottish. No, absolutely. I think not. the Poms are going to hate this, but I would say this is actually more Australian. Yeah, well, it's it's probably probably a bit of a meeting ground in the middle. Mm. It's not your traditional Scottish sort of flavors, but it's yeah. I mean, zingy lemon. I'm still on zingy lemon. I get a bit of apple in bit there of, as well. Um, red red apples. A bit of sort of caramelized sort of caramel. The there's definitely caramel in there too. Yeah. You know what? This doesn't have that Scottish whiskey has. Kilts. Yeah, well, this is very true. But you know what else it doesn't have? That maltiness. Mm. It's lacking the maltiness. It's got. It's a really sort of. It's more an, a, of an acid-driven mm. um, drop. It's, it's it's zingy. It's caramely. It's lemony. It's um, appley, as you say. But it doesn't have that same maltiness, which is really interesting. I don't think it's actually unbalanced, though. I don't disagree. I think it's got quite a good mouthfeel and it's got an, quite a nice flavour. I think it, it's definitely more of a, a quite a forward flavour-driven one. Yep. It's bright and fresh and crisp, but it it's nice. Mm. I like it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's really pushing the boundaries of what uh, British whiskey could be because I can't say Scottish. Well, can you remember what that St. George one was oh, like? To it compare was young. To this? It was really young. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas I don't feel like this one is tastes too young. No. Now this is a 2017 release. Bar, barley. I Seven, no, no, I don't distillation. Think, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think this is a 2017 release. I think this is their 2017 Odyssey barley. So I reckon that's the vintage. Right. So the of, oldest it can be is probably four and a half years. Yeah. Which yeah, it's impressive. That's really the age. But then again, it depends on what size barrels they're doing it. This is this is why I still feel like it's it's got a certain new worldness to it. Mm. Yeah, England is the new world. Gosh, mm. um, it's going to ruffle a few feathers. Yeah, so it all goes around in circles. Yeah, what 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 is old is new once again. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, just that lack of multi honey mm. heather, like none of that is there. But it's got this still vanilla caramel, but zingy citrus. Red apple, like you say. Mm. I think I think it does have some characteristics. You're right of a sort of a a light um, sort of grain and herb and uh, citrus driven side, but there's something else to it. It's probably that wine. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that red apple comes from the wine. Mm. I think so. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's um, really fascinating and not a bad purchase. I'm really pleased with that. Actually, I'm. I'm I. I was like fully prepared to be like, nah, the poms are shit. This is <laughs> this is like no good. Scotland, Scotland the brave forever. Mm. And I I I can't say that because this has actually really got me intrigued and I'm really enjoying it. it. I like the freshness of it. Without being sweet, it strikes me as a quite a desserty whiskey. Mm. Um, like it'd go well alongside a pastry. I almost think it would go well with like a cheese and fruit board. Mm, I think it's got a cleanness to it. I do like a good cheese board. Mm. There you go, Cotswolds. Mm, Cotswolds. It's got a gentleman's waistcoat for a box 
and a pheasant on the front. Straight out of Chip and Camden. <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway, uh, there you go. No score on this one because it's fresh meat. We might come back to it for a future episode, but mm. um, really worth considering. And so, yeah, um, the cost of it was ninety seven ninety nine at Uncle Dan's. Really? Yeah. So under a hundred bucks as well. Seven hundred mil bottle, forty six percent. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually a very tempting proposition. Yeah. I mean, if you're considering a sort of yeah, Tom and Tool or a Tamnavolin, it's not a uncomparable option. Mm. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> I think I've just really offended Tom and Tool and Tamnavolin. <laughs> <laughs> But red wine in there too. Yeah. English red wine. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a stretch. Although the English are starting to do some really good sparkling. It's okay, Ted. It's okay. All is right with the world. Good to hear. Um, I'm scanning through Nick's and there's um, some pretty decent deals for under 100 bucks here. I'm scanning through Nick's too. Are you? If you know what I mean. <laughs> You've got your x-ray glasses out. And yep. just, uh, your eye trained firmly upon my groin. Um, Call me Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this is the point. You've you've got to go beyond the big chain yeah. stores. I think so. Uncle Uncle Dan's has his place, but yeah, things things like um Nick's and Whiskey List and Old Barrel House and yeah. Whiskey Company and things like that. They're they're, they're the real saviors. Yeah. And again, not being sponsored by any of them, but if they did want to jump on board, we can forget all the others and just promote the one. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, nice. Anyway, Ted, it's been a pleasure waffling with you tonight. It has. I, f- I feel like after our big 50th episode, this has been a, just a nice little, um, yeah, just a rambling chat between yeah. ourselves. Conversation between mates, and that's how it all began. Hey, you know what? What? We have a Patreon. Oh, do we? We do, and it's got some uh, It's got some different levels on it as well. What um, do I get if I join up? Well, if you join up, you get... No, I'm not going to... I was about to say you get free oral sex. But, uh, <laughs> if you join up, you get access to exclusive content. So you get to listen to some of the rambly bits that we talk about after the uh, the official waffling has occurred. Um, you can also, if you uh, join up to some of our higher levels, we'll send you some whiskey for your trouble. Mm, a free gift of some whiskey. The review whiskey that we cover each month. And the next level up again, you get some pretty special stuff as well. Yeah, this this month, uh, our um, tasting panellists, that higher level, got some of what Nicholas described as perhaps not objectively, but subjectively, mm. my best bottle. So. Yeah, no, a very special um, rare bottle of Lark there that mm. those guys got to try. So, yeah, don't know if we can top that. We'll have to mm. send them some red label next month just to bring him back down to earth. But um. All anyway, right. Um, let's let's uh, let's wrap. It, yeah. No, not not like um any sort of a uh, rhythm based lyric music, but no. Let's um. Let's no, I was I was definitely thinking you mean cling wrap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. This that, that's what we do with our, our whiskey at the end of the evening. We just <laughs> yeah. The one glass we don't finish. Yep. Wrap it. Wrap it up. Stick it in the fridge for later. <laughs> yeah. They taste just great the next day. <laughs> oh, well, cheers, steady boy. Cheers, buddy. And all I can say is keep on waffling. And good night. Good night.
Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. Hey, I'm just going to sit in the corner and sniff my glass of cherries.